I was thinking that perhaps because you don't like uncomfortable situations, and, and we all do, could you dance for us here? <laughs> liturgical, liturgical dancing. Let's go ahead and pray in just a second after we read Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. We're going to look at 29 through 35. says this, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter Perverse things, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I wake? I must have another drink. Let's pray, friends. Lord God, teach us through your word today. We humble ourselves before it as an authority in our lives, as the authority to tell us who we are and who you are and how you work in our lives. So instruct us and teach us through it. Instruct us through the witness of those who have experienced the kinds of things that some of us have experienced and are experiencing or perhaps will experience in our families. Teach us through the witness of those who have gone through difficult things and have come out as overcomers because the gospel is real, because the Holy Spirit is moving in lives, because Jesus Christ lives today with you forever, Father God, and in us through the Spirit. So use these stories to teach us. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This first video we're going to watch right now is Renee Sanchez, who's sitting with us today. This is great. Let's watch this together. Okay, go home. (laughs) Thank you so much, Renee, for sharing your story with us. (coughs) In August of 2014, uh, many of you remember that Robin Williams, who was a well-known, a well-loved actor and comedian, committed suicide after a many decades-long struggle with all manner of substance abuse. He describes in some interviews before that um, how addiction sort of lures you in. And uh, he says that it waits for you. It lies in wait for the time when you think it's fine now, I'm okay, I'm in control. It waits for you and lures you in 
And the next thing you know, after you've thought you're okay and you're in control, is you realize down the road, someday, (laughs) you realize that it's lured you in and waited for the moment when you thought you were in control and it takes you as its own slave. You realize, he says, wait, where am I now? I don't even know where I am. I don't know how I got here. He even says, uh, I didn't even realize I was in Cleveland. You wake up and you don't know how you got to where you are. That's how addiction works. Drugs and alcohol, and we'll talk about other sorts of forms of addiction a little bit later a couple times, but but today we're going to talk about substance abuse mostly. Drugs and alcohol, they promise escape from pain, uh, but they really just end up bringing more pain. Addiction promises freedom, but it really makes you a slave. And where it takes you, friends, ultimately, where it takes you isn't Cleveland. Where it takes you is death. That is the only destination at the end of that road. Just ask anybody who has had a long struggle with addiction. That's the only place it takes you. That passage that we read, Proverbs 23, sort of like Renee says when he holds up the Bible, he says, this is, this is my story. The Bible tells us who we are in both redeemed terms, the after Jesus, after the Holy Spirit grabs us and regenerates us and make us, makes us new. It tells us who we are in those terms, but it also tells us who we are without him. He, he, it shows us the road that the unwise choose, as Proverbs says. And so look at Proverbs 23 with me. This uh, opens us up and lays us bare and shows us what happens when addiction takes hold. We're going to look together here at Proverbs 23, 29 to 35, because this is a good example of how the Scriptures are wise in how they portray the human experience. And even though Proverbs uh, 23 Uh, We're going to look at 29 through 35. They're most explicitly about wine, about drinking. It applies in in many ways in in principle form to any drug, any addictive substance. It shows us how addictions lure us in. Look at verse 29. It says this. It asks the question in verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause, you know, bruises or wounds, and, and who knows where they came from? It's sort of like ending up in Cleveland. How did they get here? How did I get here? Who has redness of eyes? Verse 29 is the riddle. It's the question. And verse 30, look at verse 30. Verse 30 is the answer. Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed Wine. Now, this is a way. This is a way that the Bible is speaking about those who spend too much time with the bottle, who who seek it out. Is kind of what it's saying here. That's when it says those who go to try mixed wine. This is a description of the person who has become consumed by it. Now, there's a clear distinction in Scripture. We're going to talk about here for just a little bit. It's talking here about that person who has become consumed by it. They seek it out. They must have it. That's the addictive kind of impulse when it makes you your slave. Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Proverbs 20, verse 1. We're going to put this on screen. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker. In other words, it tastes good going down, but it ends up, if you become addicted to it, showing you to be the fool. That's why it calls it a mocker. Wine is a mocker. It says, strong drink, a brawler. And whoever is led 
led astray by it is not wise, which means that it can lead you astray. Jump back to Proverbs 23. Who has woe, who has sorrows, who has strife, complaining, wounds without cause, redness of eyes. That's the riddle. Verse 30 is the answer. Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Keep going. Verse 31. It says, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and it goes down smoothly. Listen here to how how Proverbs talks about the wine. It talks about it like it's alive, like it has its own life to it. It it talks about it like it's an animal of sorts. Now, Now, just a quick point, some clarification here. Proverbs here isn't making an argument uh, that, that wise drinking of alcohol in most forms is, uh, is a bad thing per se by itself. There are places in the Old Testament, in fact, some in Proverbs, uh, that, that praise wine's taste. Wine was a staple in the world of the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, far more than it is for us today. Uh, some forms of water were not safe to drink then. Um, and so it was a, more of a part of their culture then. But it is warning us against where it can take you, which is why the Bible talks about the clear distinction uh, in both the New and the Old Testaments between wise and moderate use and drunkenness, addiction, that sort of consumed pursuit uh, that's talked about earlier in our passage here. So the witness of Scripture is pretty clear. <laughs> Do not become drunk. Don't become addicted. And even, uh, even though the powerful drugs that exist today aren't mentioned explicitly in Scripture, because basically they didn't exist, there are a couple places you can sort of make an argument for it, but uh, the same basic principle applies here uh, for drugs as well as alcohol, which is do not become addicted, consumed. Uh, the pursuit of it, that it becomes an idol for you, that it consumes your thoughts, that you can't do without it, that you keep thinking about when you can get back to it. Do not become addicted is the message of Scripture. And when it comes to drugs with with some forms, just for the record, uh, it takes one time and boom, you're addicted. Uh, It's not like most forms of alcohol where you can have some in wise use and moderation. Illicit drugs are illicit for a reason. So the principle is clear. Do not become addicted. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that uh, our body's not our own. This side of knowing Jesus, the redeemed side of knowing Jesus, our body's not our own. We were bought with a price. We are to take care of it and to steward it well. It's a temple. It's a place where God lives by his spirit. And so that applies to us in principle form. So in the form of a principle here in Scripture, In other places, it warns against where addiction can take you. Look back at verse 32. Here's some of that description. This is some of that warning. It says, in the end, in other words, where it takes you, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Those are uh, pretty serious words there. We don't call them adders anymore. Uh, We call them vipers, kind of snake, basically. (laughs) Their venom brings about, the snake of a viper brings about uh, the, the, the venom of a viper brings about what's called necrosis. Uh, necrosis is a fancy medical and chemical term for uh, the death of tissue cells, of skin cells. And so um, I might suggest that later on, not perhaps right now, um, you might make the same mistake I did, which is Googling viper snake bite pictures. 
Seriously. If you want to see a picture of what Scripture is communicating in this verse, it would be a good practice um, if you're not squeamish. Uh, I made the mistake of looking. Uh, viper snake bite pictures. We're not going to show you here because it is, honestly, it's, it's just ex- it's extremely gross. So I'm forewarning you. But if you want a picture of what Scripture's saying here, Google that for yourself later. Make sure the kids aren't looking. I'm serious. It's, uh, it's nasty. That's what addiction does. That's the, the picture here in this verse. That's what the, the, the venom of a viper does. It kills. It just brings death. That's the, the, the end of addiction. Initially, you think it brings, you know, like sort of a comfort from the stress. There's this easy way to rationalize it as, this is where I go. This is my place to get away from all the, the stuff, all the pressures, all the, the hard parts of life that, that I don't have the tools to deal with, that nobody's helping me with, in which I am isolated. And so, and so this is my happy, pl- I mean, happy place. That's what people call it. You think it brings peace. You think it brings health. You think it brings comfort and safety and freedom from life's worries. You think it's a band-aid from the pain, but it ends up telling, the scripture tells us, it ends up only bringing more bondage and more pain. It eats away at you. Necrosis of the soul is where it takes you. That's the picture here. In Proverbs 23, verse 32. That's the end. That's the result. Look at verse 33. Here are more effects. It says your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter uh, perverse things. This is a a description of the way addiction turns reality upside down. When Proverbs uses the word perverse here, it's used to describe the opposite of of God's intent, Romans 1 and the first few chapters of Romans do a great job of talking about the upside and downness of reality. Um, and, and so it's picturing here someone who's not dealing in reality. The perversity is the opposite of God's intent. Genesis 1.28, it's a great verse to just kind of have in mind. And, and it's just, if you just have four words from Genesis 1.28 in mind as this is God's purpose, you'll, you'll be um, helped. <laughs> A lot in your life. Be fruitful and multiply. Four words. This is God's intent to be fruitful and multiply. It means lots of things, but in this case, it means to create as He created, to do what He does, to 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 do the creative work of life that God does for us. Addiction, in the end, is a necrosis of the soul. But God's created us to be life-giving people as He is. Be fruitful and multiply. So God's called us to do what He did to produce life. But the person here in Proverbs 23 is so in love, in this case with, with alcohol, with wine, as an escape from reality. Here's what happens. Verse 34. It's a little confusing at first, but it says this. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. Uh, listen, I don't even know what this means. No, I'm just kidding. Um, here's, here's, here's what it means. It pictures someone, uh, that first phrase of 34, it pictures someone who lays down to sleep on the top of, of the ocean as if it's a good place without being aware of the peril that, that will befall them. 
Same with the other, other piece of that verse where it says, like one who lies on the top of a mass, the crow's nest up at the top of a mass, somebody who goes to sleep in the crow's nest of a large ship at night thinking, oh, this will be a good place to sleep. And yet, in the middle of the night, the storms come, and this is what's going to happen. <laughs> you think it's safety, but it's not. You think it's peace and freedom. You think that it's going to save you, be a happy place for you, but this is what's going on in your life. This is what will befall you. If the addictions overtake you, Scripture is wise in telling us and forewarning us. It says you'll be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mat. Verse 35, they struck me, you will say. This is how unreal the perception of life is. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. It's almost a parody at the end there. The person is so unaware of the reality of what's going on, they say, I must have another drink. Listen, that person is talking, <laughs> that person is talking nonsense. They're not dealing in reality. Which is what addiction does. That's what addiction does. It produces the opposite of Genesis 1.28. Addiction is not be fruitful and multiply. Addiction produces death. Addiction produces death, but God's plan is life and peace. <coughs> Renee was baptized uh, just a few years ago in Piney Flats. Shane and Priscilla were baptized here just a couple weeks ago. And they have begun to be able to tell their story in ways that, that talk about God as the producer of the life and the health and the peace and the freedom that only comes through relationship with Jesus. I want to close um, with the story of a man whose name is John. It's a story of a man who's overcome addiction through a relationship with Christ, just like we've heard about today. Um, he writes this. He says, you always hear these cliche sayings. It's never too late. Don't give up. People care. There are people who are where you are and who have recovered. <laughs> he says, but honestly, it's true. When I heard that kind of stuff before, I wanted to believe it, but I couldn't. He says, I kept trying. He says, I couldn't even imagine life without my addiction. But I couldn't imagine life with it either. The withdrawals were terrifying. With the addiction being full steam ahead, it controlled my every thought. I found a way to blame all my circumstances, all my depression, all my failures on anything, anything other than my using. He says, I was a musician, and so when I played the piano at church, I would stay sober on Sunday morning, and I would shake through the music, praying while I played, God, help me defeat this, because I'm exhausted. And then the fear of a life without that medication took over and the cycle would repeat. That's what it was, or so I thought. It was medication. What I was medicating was isolation. He says, my wife Brooke was working all the time, 80 hours a week. I was in charge of three small kids by myself. My dreams of playing music for, living, for a living were put on hold. I was stuck in the house cleaning and cooking and diapers and grocery and shopping and more diapers, he says. 
I love my children with all my heart, but I was so selfish in my thoughts of, quote, deserving better. He thought, I deserve my dreams. So my cycle became isolation, depression, no self-worth, self-medication, withdrawal. Repeat. Isolation, depression, no self-worth, self-medication, withdrawal. Repeat. Listen to this. This is really good. He says, it doesn't matter if it's a bottle, a pill, a joint, an injection, Most people that use are self-medicating feelings that are too terrifying to face or they simply don't know where to turn for help. That's how it starts. And it ends in physical addiction. He says, one day, after a month-long binge, which landed me in the psych ward, to detox and to figure out what was going on. It was the week before Christmas. He says, the day after I left the hospital, I drove and found a private valley and hit my knees. He says, on the way home, I heard the song, Good, Good Father. He says, and I cried. That night I was alone in my house playing the piano and I started shaking, playing Amazing Grace. I started crying and sobbing uncontrollably. He says, I felt a rush and a wave of peace rush over me. I felt God's presence for the first time in years, his true presence. (laughs) He says, I'm not even joking. I'm not even exaggerating. Listen carefully here to what he says. This is so good. I felt God's hand split me down the middle mentally, and I was instantly able to differentiate any and every addict thought or behavior from my spiritual self and who I wanted to be. When he had given up, At that moment, he says, I literally stayed on my knees sobbing in praise for 30 minutes. (laughs) And then he says, because he began to tell the story. He says, then I called everyone I knew to tell them about my experience. He closes by saying, God is with the addict and waiting for us to ask for his help. As soon as we admit defeat and ask for guidance, He starts the healing process. It might take time. It might take help. It might take a willingness and a devotion to change. He says, I hope some of this helps. And to those who love the addict, continue to love them, which is hard because they make it hard. But realize you are loving who you know is inside, behind the addiction. Give them love unconditionally without enabling. They want love. They want to be and to feel loved. Addiction is a lonely disease. Isolation leads to death. Treatment and love lead to uh, recovery. Friends, addiction is death. God's plan is life and peace. The simple message today, uh, because statistically, there are people among us struggling in some form or fashion with what we're talking about today. The simple message is if you are flirting with drugs and alcohol, uh, if you are caught up in the beginnings of addictive behavior, if you feel yourself beginning to lose your battle against substance abuse, if you're full-on addicted, and this has been going on for a long, long time, the simple message today through the power of Jesus is there is And that hope is the gospel. The good news that Jesus came not to save the righteous, 
but sinners. If you need help out of addiction, you're in the right place. Talk with somebody. There are good, godly people here, some of whom have been through this, some of whom have fought through this with their families. There is hope in the body of Christ. There are godly and helpful people ready to love you into a kingdom of life and health and peace and freedom. Let's pray, friends.